Hello, friends. Welcome to Midnight Radio. I have several stories to go over with you today. We have an update on the University of Idaho murders. Since last night, we have an update, some things verifying what we've said before, and we have a lot of other stories that aren't related to the University of Idaho murders. We have two cases of cold case murderers caught in the last couple days. We also have stories of of uh, children murdering their parents and parents murdering their children. All this much more today on Midnight Radio. are watching or listening to Midnight Radio. I am your host, Jerry Adams. Thank you for being here with me once again. So I'm going to start off with some updates on the University of Idaho murders. I got two stories relating to that. Then we're going to go into your voicemails from our, our show we did last night about the murder walkthrough. Uh, thank you for all that can be that were there that could have been, be there and I'd like to congratulate the person who won a hat. We're going to have more giveaways coming up soon, so stay tuned for that. If you'd like to call in, I'm going to open up the phone lines here after about 30 minutes. The phone line is 325-261-0892, 325-261-0892. Uh, we did have an issue last night where some people's uh, phone numbers were flashed up on the screen. That issue has been resolved. Also, there's another issue. Somebody was complaining about the sound of the calls ringing in and the beeping it was making. I believe I fixed that. We're going to try that out and see if that is that kink has worked out. Again, thank you for being here. I'll see you on the flip side of this of this story here. Still, so many questions remain. No suspect has been taken into custody uh, after those four students were found stabbed to death uh, on the morning of November the 13th. So it's been several weeks. We're hearing more from police. Fox News correspondent Christina Coleman is in Idaho with the very latest. Daughter to college to get an education. She came back in a box. After more than three weeks with no arrests and no big breaks in the case, the father of one of the University of Idaho victims is shedding some light on the murders. Steve Gonzalez says between his daughter Kaylee and her best friend Maddie, one of them had injuries that were significantly more brutal than the other, which he says could suggest that one of them was targeted. He referred to the injuries as points of damage. They're points of damage. So I want to talk about this points of damage here real quick. And uh, here's an issue that you guys brought up in the comment section. And I think it's very valid. And, and perhaps they bring it up in here. I think it might. Banfield might bring it up because they bring her on. So you have the two girls there in the same room. Well, that was not normally Maddie's room. I mean, I'm, I correct myself. That was not normally Kaylee's room. Kaylee was moving out. She was selling all of her furniture. Her room was empty. She was staying in Maddie's room. Therefore, did the perpetrator actually know that this was Matt, Kaylee in Maddie's room? Or what was the deal? And they both had blonde hair at night. Surely it would have been hard to see them both. Although you can see in a lot of the rooms, there was a lot of lights. There was neon lights. There were hanging lights. You know, it was basically a college room. Lights everywhere. So maybe they could. There was a photo taken that we showed yesterday on last night's broadcast of the black bra, which suggests that there was some creep on 4chan, perhaps the murderer or perhaps just a creep, something they called LARPing, putting out false information like there's some serial killer because... Uh, they think 4chan is anonymous. Uh, guess what? 4chan is not anonymous. It might have used to have been, but it isn't now. So, was that actually a killer posting a picture of that bra or not? If it was, perhaps they would have known that they were going after Kaylee. Regardless, you guys brought this issue up in the comment section. You said maybe it was simply Kaylee fought harder. So she was had more damage perhaps that's the case let's go back to this don't match 
I'm just going to say it. It wasn't leaked to me. I earned that. I paid for that funeral. I paid for that. It's my right. You ain't taking that from me. Although authorities are not confirming those details, if true, former NYPD inspector Paul Morrow says it would appear one of the women was a target. Apparently the disparity in the injuries is pretty extreme. That does seem to argue that one of them might have been targeted. Um, but, you know, you, again, there are counter theories that could go against that. Also, police have ruled out a number of people since the attack, but with no arrests made, Kaylee's mother is questioning their timing. Another thing that's about to be verified for us this morning is who did the parents, who did the family think was cleared too early? Well, that's about to be cleared up for us right now. A lot of us thought that the person, not the boyfriend of Kaylee, but the person might have been somebody with the first name of Jack with the, the last initial of S. That's going to be confirmed for us this morning. Every day you just wake up and think today's the day. We're going to hear something and you see these, oh, there's a break in the case and it'll just be something stupid. Despite mounting frustration, Idaho State Police maintain they're making progress in this investigation as they continue to process evidence. It's a broad spectrum of things that we're looking at that we're putting back together to build a big picture. And once we have that picture, we really think that we'll be moving forward rapidly on this case. At this point, police are processing more than 6,000 phone, email, and digital media tips as part of this ongoing investigation. Reporting in Moscow, Christina Coleman, Fox News. Let's stop right here and go to our next video. All right, so this is about the dog. People were speculating where Murray was. The, what was he, Labradoodle? And uh, we got confirmation of that. So really trying to identify why, why any of the four would have potentially have been targets. Why is it important to know where Murray the Labradoodle is? Because people say he didn't bark and let people know. Well... I'm going to play where he was. Joining me now from Moscow, Idaho, News Nation senior national correspondent Brian Enton. Brian, good to see you. You also have some reporting on what is a very important detail about Kaylee's injuries as they compared to her best friends who was in the same bed with her. Tell us about it. Yeah, Dan, we've learned that Kaylee's injuries were significantly more brutal. That is the way it was described to me than her best friend Maddie's injuries. They were together in Maddie's room up on the third floor uh, of the house behind me. Why is this important? Well, it, it could possibly be... Uh, important in the sense of who who was targeted in this event uh was kaylee the target is that why her injuries uh were more brutal was she possibly trying to protect her best friend obviously those are things that police are looking into uh behind the scenes all right so tell us more you know anything else about this stalker uh situation this is something a lot of people were talking about again trying to figure out who may have been the target of the the four if there was some now, this is important, too. They're about to talk about the potential stalker. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm getting sick of them going back and forth about this stalker. I've, I, I read it myself about who, about the family. And I actually, I listened to the father talk about how they were told about there was some form of stalker or not. And they keep on going back and forth in this. One. Anything else we know about it? So there was a little bit of a miscommunication. Initially last week, it was reported that Kaylee's family said there was a stalker. I sat down with them Friday night, uh, and they were very clear. They do not know of a specific stalker. Kaylee never told them of a specific stalker. They said that, you know, is it possible? Okay. Kaylee didn't tell them about a specific stalker. No, she did not. And the father said that the first time. So this is them changing the way they're presenting information as new information that they don't have. And I'm talking about Brian Enton here, Fox News, something that he's doing. Possible, someone was following around. Yes, it's possible, uh, but they didn't know of anything specific. Uh, anything else from what we learned today that you think we need to know? 
Yeah, what you said about the dog is interesting. A lot of people have been interested um, in, in this Golden Doodle Murphy. Is it possible that he was in the room, that he had evidence on him because he immediately went to the Humane Society? People were concerned that he might not have been tested. Now we learn today uh, that he was not in, in the crimes, in the part of the house where the crimes were committed, uh, according to the police. All right, Brian, as always. There's some other interesting things that we got from the comment section about a decoy. I see someone talking about in the chat right now about, they said JS is a decoy. Uh, that's a good observation. Somebody said that one of the problems they might be having finding a suspect is if there was more than one. If there was more than one, then they would be looking at, it would be harder to narrow it down, wouldn't it? So was there possibly more than one but the same knife? Could you tell? Or the same style of knife? Or if they both had new knives? Uh, here's a comment. Uh, no way a guy drives five hours to a cabin and then leaves the country. He couldn't have even been properly interrogated. Uh, we're going to go to that, go into that when we go over the voicemails here in a minute. There's more about, definitely more about that. I think there was some confusion last night. And we're going to examine whose confusion it was. Thank you. Let's bring in News Nation's Ashley Banfield, who's also, also obviously been covering the story. I want you to hear what she's about to say. I know you love her. On it on her That's show. Why she's here. Uh, tonight, Ashley, once again, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. All right. You With this information that Brian filled. has learned about Kaylee's injuries being more severe than the other victim, who apparently, I think, was lying in the same bed with her, what do you make of it? I find it really fascinating that Kaylee's injuries are worse than Maddie's, which might make some maybe think that she had been the target. But she was found in Maddie's room. So if the killer was coming in to get Kaylee, he did this in Maddie's room. And you've seen the pictures of these girls, Dan. Again, this is wild-ass speculations, wild-ass theories, and tame-ass theories. But the father knows what kind of injuries his daughter had. Now, we're not just talking about the amount of damage. We're talking about where the body was damaged at. You know, there's there's different disrespectful things that can be done with the body on a knife that, with a knife that would let you know that it was purpose, intentional, and hateful. I'm just going to say that. The psychic Donna Serafina talked about this specifically she did about what she saw she did how do you say censor herself a little bit with the particulars but it was interesting that she it, there was a bit of confusion because she described she described Kaylee but she gave the name Maddie but they were there together so that was interesting so maybe there was a confusion in this murderer that she was seeing I'm not sure Again, all this is speculation, but the thing she said the killer did specifically to the targeted ind individual, if that's true, then uh, Banfield here and the rest of these people talking about it, it's just pure speculation. The father would know the damage that was done to the body because he would have seen it at the funeral home. So this, this is hard, but again, this is something that she said, not the father said. They are beautiful, blonde. They look very similar in the daylight. Now turn out the lights and, you know, put them in a, in a bed. It, and it would be very, very difficult to tell them apart just from a practical matter. So it just complicates this story, I think, from a profiling, um, you know, perspective. And it also complicates why two other people would need to die. That's It's just... Right. When you think you have an answer, suddenly you have a lot more questions. I, I want to play you a piece of sound from Christy Gonzalez, uh, Kaylee's mom, uh, on the suspects. Then I want, I want your thoughts on this. Uh, I just feel like there's been a couple individuals that were cleared very fast. If I'm not mistaken, this is where they're going to talk about who was cleared fast, uh, who the family is talking about here. So they might actually be onto something here. That may not, maybe he should not have been. And yeah. She had the strong alibi. Just really fast. It, just you can like, just you miss. Know, an hour later, and we're like, what? That was in the interview with Brian. You know, the mom frustrated by the police clearing people very quickly. What do you make of it? 
Well, I mean, within the first week, there were so many people being cleared, all while we were waiting for maybe a person of interest that never came. But every person that had been raised. All right, chat room. Somebody's asking, is Hoodie Guy 100% JS? I believe so. That's my belief. What do you guys say in the chat room? The Hoodie Guy, I mean, there's different guys with a hoodie there. There's a big 250-pound Hoodie Guy, and then there's a small uh, college Hoodie Guy, the one that was interacting with the girls. Is Hoodie Guy 100% JS? Yes, I believe so. Uh, probably, if I have time, I'm going to dig up. I'm going to dig up that video of him interacting with the ladies. Is in this story was cleared lightning fast. And one of them was a very suspicious character that was spotted on camera at the food truck. The and the reason he was suspicious is because he was lingering. He wasn't there to buy food, didn't appear that he bought any. He stood behind the girls while they were paying and ordering. And then he even moved the 10 to 15 feet when they shuffled 10 to 15 feet and waited 10 more minutes to this get their food. All the while watching them, but not doing anything else. And then as soon as those girls turned to leave, he was right on their tail leaving as well. So, you know, that raised a lot of suspicion, Dan. And then to have him cleared so quickly, Kaylee's father is very upset because he's hearing that that person did not give DNA and also may be did out of the country by this point. So these Boom. are things that I think as if... This happened after our broadcast last night. Where do you think they get their information? What do you guys think? Just saying. Um... From you guys, I swear. From you guys. Yes, we're streaming early today. So, what did we just hear? We just heard what we we were talking about last night. What you and I, this conversation we're having, that about the father was talking about the hoodie guy. What we didn't know is that he didn't give DNA. Yet he was cleared within an hour. What also we didn't didn't know is that. Well, we did know, but they're talking about him leaving the country. That's what we heard about. J.S. is is the hoodie guy that we're talking about. There's a bigger hoodie guy. There's a lady, a nice lady that called in last night. She was talking about a guy named Joe who was also wearing a hoodie, the big guy. And then somebody, well, was talking about J.S. He's the guy in the food truck. No, no, not the same guy. We're talking about J.S., the college-looking student who is, who is uh, the one interacting with the students. So we'll see what else she has to say. We're going to go to your voicemails. The family you would be very upset by, certainly in the absence of any other solid information coming their way. Thank you for watching. Yes, is he adopted? Possibly. Yes, I also heard that too. Possibly adopted. Okay. See what I got for you here. Um, we're going to go to voicemails. Okay, so when you guys call and leave a voicemail message, or if you call me, call me live when I open up the phone lines here in about 17 minutes, you just leave your, just say your first name and what state you're from. You don't have to give your full information. All right, here we go. Everyone talks like it's only one person in there. What if there was two people? Maybe one person overkilled her, Kylie, and the other person killed Natty. Um, it just, it could be two people. So, I don't know. i just been following along, and I don't know. You got the hoodie guy wrong. He's, he's not the one that's in Africa. Um, so it's the other Jake that was working on the food truck. And I think he's the one that took him home. So, and his parents are teachers or are doctors and he's in Africa. Okay. Bye. Okay. So before I go to the next voicemail, I'm going to refer to you guys. It is my understanding. And I got the whole family tree of JS and that was the guy that talked to was talking to Maddie, and that was the guy that was talking to Kaylee at the truck, and they didn't want to have anything to do with him, you know. And it was obvious, and he was like pushed back ten feet from them, 
and he looked upset that they didn't want to talk with him, didn't want to have anything to do with him. Possibly he was there in the club. Um, he interacted with them in the club, and they're like, hey, dude, no, we don't want to have anything to do with you. That's what it seemed like to me. That is JS. That is the one, as you just saw from Laura Banfield, they're saying was in, went to Africa or went to a different country with his family and did not give DNA. That's what we just heard. So I don't think we got it wrong, but thank you for correcting me because, you know, I could have very well been wrong. I'm open to correction. So let's go ahead into the next voicemail. All right. Um, you, I'm listening to your show this evening, and I think you got something wrong here. The Jack that you're talking about is not, he, that was not Hoodie Jack. The Jack you're talking about is the one that was at the grub or the food truck. He was serving people, and he is the one that went to Africa, and his parents are doctors. So the Hoodie guy is not Jack. But everybody was thinking it's this Jack from this food truck. And I think somebody said he was the one that drove them home, too. So, anyhow, that's what I seen when I was watching it earlier. Bye. That was the same lady with the same message. But, I mean, it was a different message from the same lady. She's adamant that she doesn't think that was him. Let's go to the next caller. Yes, I think the guy, Jack Shoewalker or Showwalker, guy that everybody thinks did it, and he was cleared by DNA, I believe. We just found out that he did not give DNA. He was cleared without giving DNA. They say he is adopted. So if he's adopted, he would not be cleared. He wouldn't be DNA with those people, maybe. I don't know. Through the ancestry.com, basically. So thank you. So, as far as him being adopted or not, that's not verified. It is verified that his siblings are adopted. And yes, that is JS. Hi, this is going to be very short, but I was just wondering there is a picture uh, of the top balcony where it looks like in the corner there's a knife, something shiny as well as, like, a bunch of those little berries or pink flowers stepped on, like somebody stepped on them. Um, I'm not sure if anybody else noticed that, but that's all. Thank you. I did I did notice those berries. I checked into that, and they say that those those berries fall everywhere, and because of the quality of the, the footage, they look like they're blurry and stepped on, but they weren't actually stepped on. And I didn't see anything that looked like a knife. Okay, so Okay, I would just like to say that I've kind of followed this case through, but um, this is what I think happened. I think that the parents are really super rich. If you've heard of the right, uh, Kaylee Rodney, Kylie Rodney situation, um, it's a small town, trucky, everybody's rich. They covered it up one way or another. So. They're going to try and do the same thing here, too, I do believe. I hope not, because that's just outrageous for murders. You know, they just need to get the person got. And money gets get you silence, you know. And so um, I do hope the families get a good person, a good attorney, and they really, really, really dig in, and they get that kid who did it. We all know who did it, I'm sure, by now, but... <laughs> Maybe they'll go to Africa. I don't know. Arrest them. I don't know. <laughs> but that's who I think did it. Anyway, thanks for taking my call. <laughs> hey, you know, I live like 40 minutes away from Moscow, Idaho. You guys wanted me to go down there and film some stuff? Uh, I could do that. You know? That's... That's a that's an interesting offer, isn't it, guys? What do you think? If we had him go down there and film stuff, what do you think we'd want him to film or, or uh, take pictures of? I can think probably about everything that I saw on the the murder the murderer walk last night. I'd like a picture of some video footage of. That'd be interesting. 
then we'd go through a, a real walk, wouldn't we? With him walking down the street, maybe we could live stream it. I don't know, just a, just some thoughts. Hey, what's going on? You know, uh, it's really tragic what's going on in Idaho, but anybody who's got any time over there, living over there, you got to know something, man. <clears throat> that whole area, the whole northwest of Idaho, all the way on up Coeur d'Alene, that is like, they're, they're like 20 years behind in the times, always has been. There ain't too much brains up there. They're more interested in locking people up or getting caught with marijuana. But the FBI is in on it, man. I don't know. I think they should probably keep 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 patience. You know, I think that's interesting that he said that. As far as it being behind in the times we're walking down the town, it did have a small old town uh, feel. And it did feel like it was about 20 years ago or maybe even, what is it, 30 years ago, back in the 90s? It had a 90s feel, didn't it, everybody? It did to me. Hi, Midnight Radio. It's, um, my name is Barbie. I live in Georgia. Hey, Barbie. I agree with the current caller. Um, the food truck guy that was food guy kind of stand back, but watching them, definitely gives me vibes but my question for you is if he is in africa can he end up staying there if he figures out that they have figured him out and them have to extradite him and they could possibly be trying to fool him into thinking they don't know so he will come back to the states so they have more authority to do something could that be a possibility? Because that's what I'm thinking. Anyway, thank you. Let me know so I can hear your thoughts. Have a good night. Stay safe and well. Bye. So if it is JS, and I'm by no means saying it is, and I don't think anybody should take this this uh, serious, but if it is JS, this is a very sticky situation. Um, there's somebody close to him in his family that's in – attorney general and that's why i'm dancing around reporting about him and saying his name and i'm sure that unless they had everything buttoned up even the police it wouldn't so much be that well they're trying to fool him even though he's a main suspect they would have to have everything buttoned up to go after this guy because there is a significant money in that family and there's a significant legal threat so you that's not something you'd want to go into half cocked so, yes, I can understand that. Do I think he did it? I really don't know. I really don't. But if you look at that video, you wonder how he could have been cleared so quickly. It's been reported that he left to a cabin five hours away from where the murder took place. I don't know how he would have got away for five, you know, five hours. Now... One thing about the murder, murderers, the murders, they happen very quickly. So between three o'clock and four, but in a quick span of time. So the fact that somebody could have did it, maybe the police have their timing wrong. You know, maybe the police have their timing wrong. You know, the last thing that they have, I think that they're going on. It was the ring camera from the neighbor where they got the actual time of uh, the time they actually got to the house, they originally reported it was what one forty three, and then they found it was like one fifty six. That um, that Kaylee and Maddie actually got there, and the one forty three was was Zan and her boyfriend Ethan. So we know they got there then. We know about the text messages, but we don't know exactly how long it took to do that. Somebody could have done it and left and went five hours away. I don't know. If he wasn't the one driving, if, if, if JS wasn't driving, okay, let's say his mother picked him up and then went right to the hunting cabin. Well, that's a pretty good, if it happened, you know, that'd be a pretty good, uh, alibi. His mother's in a government worker too. So they, if they could verify that, like, well, yeah, I drove him to the thing and we went to the gas station and got gas and there's video and here's a credit card receipt. Well, I can see them clearing him. 
no matter how creepy it he was in in that food truck video, yeah, I could see him being cleared, but the police it's like the father said, it's frustrating that they're not telling him about people's alibis and how how people's alibis were cleared. So I, I do see that. Hey, Midnight. I think you are just a shit disturber. You're stirring the shit up, which is okay. All right, it's done. Just give out more prizes. Three, six, nine. <laughs> All right. Well, what's up, brother? Um, I'm watching you right now. Uh, on your maps, go to the back of the house. Um, I don't think there's enough emphasis being put on the back of the house. There's that small parking lot back. You guys are absolutely right about the back of the house. With the map, I couldn't look at the back of the house. Maybe that guy that said he'd go down there and take pictures and stuff, maybe he should go to the back of the house. What do you guys think? I, I couldn't do it. It, w- it wouldn't let me do it. Good point. Another good point that you guys brought up was the ladder. Um, yeah, that was a very good point about the ladder back there but there's a wooded section that goes up and down a hill and leads back to other homes yes it did get this message let me know bye i'm letting you know right now i got it thank you guys i love your messages the phone number is 325-261-0892 if you guys want to leave messages when we're not broadcasting live i'm going to open up the phone lines here in a little bit so we can talk about some of this stuff Hey, I hope you're getting my information because I'm almost 60 years old, live all over the world. But yes, I, am. I said you just found out more information from the 1996 murder that uh, they found this guy out, uh, skull out in the woods, and then the police tried to inve- cop tried to investigate it, and he thought the cops were in on it. Okay, and then uh, there was about four or five, six months ago where a kid was found across the street in the ditch, uh, dead. He was 19 from Boise. And they just covered that all up and said he was drunk and fell in the ditch and drowned. So there's another one, okay? Notice all the numbers are on 666. That kid dropped, the kid in 1996 was 24. That's a 6. 1999, 666. The house number, 6. The six bedrooms, six people. The rituals, that town is a sex cult. It's already on your platforms that Doug Wilson is a sex cult. You can look up Christchurch, yes. Doug Wilson. He has a school there. He's a mafia boss. He runs the town with the police and everybody. I hope he can get it out because I couldn't. Okay, I was threatened with felonies with the police. Okay, for giving Jesus' name out and going against Christchurch and Doug Wilson. That's my uh, experience there of loving the town. Okay, now you have some real good information from people that live there, not skeptics or people. Okay, there's a few nice people in the town, but they're trodden by the sex cult. Doug Wilson, Christchurch, was that kid's family or any of those families involved with Christchurch and Doug Wilson? If they are, they will shut your pie hole, okay? They tried to do it to me, so I hope to give you some good information. I know it's a time limit. I don't have a platform. I'm just giving you pertinent information. I don't want any fame or anything. I don't want to be known, okay? But I've given you real information, okay, that Doug Wilson, you cross Doug Wilson, and they're all connected in that town, and I found that out quick. So I hope that helps. Have a great day. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Feliz Navidad to you, sir. Uh, So we just heard from him. This is a man that was living in that town. Sir, I appreciate your candor and I appreciate your calling me. Again, this is wild-ass speculations, wild-ass theories, and tame-ass theories. This is both, I think, a wild-ass speculation, a wild-ass theory, and maybe even the truth. So there's a third one tacked on there. I appreciate your call. And I really want to hear. I like I like the story. I would be interested to hear more of the story. Please call me back and leave me more if you're willing to, sir. And I will play it. I just would like to say, uh, you know, if it is the uh, the food truck guy, uh, how how similar it is to the uh, Gabby Petito case. You know, after he murdered her, he traveled all the way home, went and had a weekend vacation camping. It just, all this is just coming together. Thank you. Bye. I'll tell you what, the Gabby Petito case was very sickening. And the worst part of that case for me was how Brian Laundrie just went home and his parents covered for him and 
he took his own he unlived unalived himself uh i i feel they they contributed to that and they contributed well they recently lost a lawsuit from the family members of gabby for sure brian laundry's parents yeah he got a message for that kid i think it was that kid there He's got a lot of skills on uh, cutting people up and cutting deer up. His parents are uh, surgeons. They probably showed him how to do that uh, by doing elk and whatnot. So that's why I think uh, he's probably the guy. He's going to have a lot of training with a knife because his, uh, his mom or his dad, one of them is a surgeon. So but probably like him, he's been rejected. You know, he lived right behind him, right up that hill. They didn't have that hill taped off for two weeks behind there. He could have killed him in one drag all that blood right up that hill in them leaves. They could have found out uh, them leaves. All they had to do was flash uh, a light on there that picks up the blood. There's a tricolor light that can pick up blood in them leaves. That's true. They didn't do that. That backyard was open for about 10 days. It wasn't until the FBI was talking on TV about uh, uh, that backyard not being roped off. Then they ran out there and roped it off there after the FBI on Fox News was talking. Then they ran out there real quick and tied off the backyard. He, he lived right back behind him. I mean, everything's pointing at that kid, you know. And they can't, if they want that kid to come back from uh, Africa, they're going to need a warrant. If he's not in the, uh, the database, it's going to require them to get a warrant if, uh, to check his blood. So and there's a lot, of, a lot of reasons why that kid needs to be talked to. I think that dad's right. Thank you. I think all of us talking about it puts pressure on it. So say what you want about speculations, but I think it does have a time and a place. It definitely has a place, and it has a place where it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay, for example, to go on the victim's Instagrams or JS or any other of the, the Jack's Instagrams and say this stuff, but here's a safe place to do it. We're going to keep it that way. But as far as extraditing somebody from Africa... I'm not sure if we have an extradition agreement with Africa. I'll check on that and get back with you guys. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I don't want to say it because I need to verify this, but I know Wesley Snipes was evading capture from tax evasion. I believe he, he went to Africa. He went overseas. I think it's Africa. Let me check, but he did eventually come back, but I'm not sure if he got extradited or not, and I can't really remember if it was Africa, but I'm going to have to check. All right, come on. All right, come on, go ahead. There we go, come on. It's all right, you can talk to me, come on. Here we go, she's going to do it. So, um, I think everybody needs to lay off the dad. If that was my daughter... Yeah, if it was my daughter, I would do the same thing that he did, if not more. I it hung up on me in three minutes. I should have gotten lost. Okay, so she's doing this pointed finger, thumb and finger like it's a gun. You can see, and to me, it's just a kill sign. I don't know if that's Maddie. It's on um, Maddie's TikTok. I think, or her Instagram, but it's on that guy, Jack. Not Jack, Jonathan. He wears that media hat. But I screenshotted the pictures. I tried to email it to him, but his email isn't working. But I can send it to you if you'd like. Um, I just think it's really wild that it just, I was watching TV doing artwork, and I saw the movement of the car in the window, and I'm like, what is that? And then I watched the girls continue to text and run to the core. 
You can see them go to the car, get in the tail lights, tear off. But to see bags with masks and the alcohol in the dorm rooms, which, you know, is against policy. And then a picture in the corner with the, almost looks like a knife sticking out of the bag. And down at the very bottom of the cabinet where she's got her foot, it almost looks like a butterfly band-aid is right there. And I just thought, that's really weird. And in the frame of the TV, it almost looks like a reflection of a um, the face from screen. It's really creepy. And the girl sitting there on the floor. Okay. Thank you. Have a great night. Bye. Love your show. Okay. Now we're going to go to the first part of that message right now. I'm not sure what picture she's talking about. Maybe we'll find out on the first part of this. Hi, and I wanted to point out something. Um, on this video of the food truck, if you look at the very end when Kaylee and Maddie were at the pickup point, if you watch in this back business window, you will see a car drive up and then you see the tail lights and you see Maddie, um, no, Kaylee start to text on the phone and text on the phone and she periodically stops before they drive up, she's texting and then you can watch the lights of the car reflecting behind the food truck, okay. even though it's like in front of the food truck. Like, you can look at all the people, and they're lingering around, and they're sitting there, and they're leaning up against the building, and there's a big window there. There's some set lights, and then you notice, it just dawned on me that this car drove up, and I saw it stay light. And right when Kayla and Maddie tear off, um, you can tell they run around and get in that car and drive off, and then the guy... Um, looks at it and he's like, oh wow, you know. So they were pre-planning to run to a car and drive away from him. The other thing I wanted to point out was there's a video done by this guy, the guy who wears media all the time and he talks about um, it's a little short one about Dylan, the roommate. Apparently there's a picture a little video of her walking into a room with the hallway has a green kind of neon light. And there's various pictures of, I think it's um, Maddie sitting on her lap. They're in a closet. Um, if you look at it, it's kind of weird. There's a white claw drink right there in the corner. Mm -hmm. I screenshotted some pictures. There's Send me those pictures. Send me those pictures. White claw, and in the corner there's a a bag hanging, and it almost looks like actually. a knife is in it. And then in the other part of the room, I screenshotted. There's uh, bags on the floor, and inside these bags is three of those clear masks, and it's just really weird. There's a bottle of vodka on the on the table and then whoever's taking the picture uh, cut her off at three all right yeah send me those pictures uh, you know the white claw that reminds me of I, I feel like i've seen that picture but go ahead and send me those so we can share them amongst ourselves hi i just wanted to say that i think what nancy grace was saying that if they did have the dna back and they looked it up in CODIS, et cetera, then obviously it's not a match. So she's just assuming that it's not a match. Otherwise, probably the guy would have been arrested by now. So I don't think she actually knows because Nancy Grace is a hack. She doesn't know if. <laughs> Thanks, bye. I agree with that, and I don't agree with that. We found out today that... 
JS um, hadn't had a DNA test. So that takes that away. But she wasn't talking about JS. She was just talking about the DNA. Uh, what, there's a difference between what she meant and what she said. She said it as a, she stated it as a fact like she knew, not that it hadn't come back yet, but she said it did not come back yet. It did come back. The DNA was not found. So you're right. I mean, there's a lot of people that like Nancy Grace. I'm ambivalent towards her. I don't know the lady. Um, but yeah, you could be right. Maybe she didn't know. Yeah, just a <laughs> that one. All that one said was, "Dude." Okay, we're. Uh, I'm really close to open up phone lines so I can speak with you. And we're not going to have a whole lot. I can't. I don't have time. I'm not going to have time to go over the rest of the stories I have today. But that's all right. But I do have time to talk with you after these, these few, few more messages here. Hi, this is Jennifer, and I was calling in about the um, Idaho murders, and I, I, I had a. I've been following it as well, and I have a bachelor's degree, and I used to run a residential treatment center for dual diagnosis and juvenile sex offenders. Yeah, so I talked to this lady And I really believe that um, all of them were actually targeted, I think, because of, I saw that picture that she posted, Kaylee posted, and she was there that weekend for the last final time. So I think she was the, the um, victim, the intended target. And I think also her friends were as well because of the comment she made on her last uh, on her last post that these five friends that she lived with or um they were her ride and die and i think the person who loved her that much probably um killed everybody so that that's just my take thank you we got to talk with her last night Hi, I'm calling about the Idaho case, and I was wondering if anyone knows the order of um, the four victims who died first. Um, I think if it was Kaylee and Maddie first, then Ethan heard, heard it and opened the door, or do you guys think maybe he went in and took them to Ethan and, and Zana out first, then went upstairs? Just wondering when we will know the order of when help when the victims were killed. Thanks. We're gonna know, we're gonna know when when the police release information they have, and they're not gonna do that until trial. So are we gonna know for sure? No. Uh, the father was saying what door that the perpetrator went in it, went in at, and we have an unverified account that I read last night about what happened behind the scenes on the 911 call. And it showed, it said that again, it was speculation. Don't know if it's real or not, but it said that Ethan was outside of the room. So, but we're not going to know officially until the trial, until they catch this guy. I'm sure that. Yes, sir. It's the guy at the food truck with the hoodie on. He's the killer. Yeah, I recently lived in Moscow. Oh, wow. And uh, came there from Vegas in Seattle. But uh, <clears throat> I fat checked that town, Doug Wilson, Christchurch. His dad started that town in the 40s. If you cross Doug Wilson and Christchurch, you will disappear there. I found that out real quick. And for the name of Jesus, I just gave scriptures around town. I'm known in movies and television. I was a professional bodybuilder, <clears throat> and they didn't like Mr. Shining Bright coming in and feeding the town, which I'd never been. My kids went to Pullman, uh, Washington State University, 4.0, so I had kids graduated college there, so I was near my daughter, and I was only a mile away, and uh, I thought I might open a gym or a business there. Never heard of the town, never been there. I'd only been there for, uh, only been to uh, Washington State University for my kids. But I never went over to Moscow, never heard of the town. But I did live there this last year, 
demon skies. I mean, the skies are really bad. Want me to send you all the photographs of the devil's faces and faces in the sky? Because Doug Wilson didn't want to see it. I want to see it. Uh, send it to been, me. Uh, looked after by the FBI for pedophiles in his church. He's true. under investigation now. And there's another college there That's called true. Christ, uh, called New St. James. That's true. So they're not mentioning Doug Wilson, all the pedophiles in his church, and uh, New St. James School. Why is that? It's right there on Main Street. Now, a whole nother school, whole nother college of kids from grades all the way up to the university. I'm <clears throat> not talking about it. But the police cover for Doug Wilson, the mayor does, and the university. Because they're all in it together. And I didn't know that until I went there and started giving everybody $9 loaves of bread and loving on them. I got 86 at Rosers Co-op and Christchurch by the police there for giving scriptures on the sidewalk. And I'm almost 60 years old. You know, but I'm built like Arnold Schwarzenegger, so they didn't like that there. They didn't like me loving the town, so we left. Okay? My sister was uh, management of uh, um, cellular, and she was turning the companies around, and they were all mean to her. That town, nobody goes outside. Nobody talks there. The reason why is because they're afraid of Doug Wilson in Christchurch. That's the evil that's there. You can go to the LGBT Corner Cafe, and you can talk to Sarah. They've been scoffed. Um, you do not get renewed leases unless Doug Wilson uh, okays it, and they will not talk about it. And then there's all the money. And then, you know, whoever invests the most money into that college, um, they're protected. It's all about the money. But I found out quick in that town, they said if I talk anymore in that town, I'll be arrested. And the police said if I talk about what I know to them or call them anymore, because I know Chief Fry and the captain, um, they said they'll give me a felony. So there's your part of answers. The kid that was. Ah, so he ran out of time and he called back. Man, this town is seeming more ominous and more ominous as we continue, isn't it? Hey, everybody. The phone lines are now open. You can call me now, 325-261-0892. I have about another 15 minutes of this broadcast left. I'd like to hear from you guys and what you know, uh, what you think about some of these messages we've listened to. That would be pretty cool. Let me... Man, I'll tell you what. It just seems more ominous and more ominous, doesn't it? It could be that some of these parents are deep into that church, for sure. I don't know. But I'll tell you what. It, uh... It's something else. Listen to this. It kind of takes me takes me by surprise. I'm so thankful that we have someone that actually lived in that town to to talk to us about it. I did report about this a few days ago about that church because it came up it came up in another story a few few months ago about uh, we were talking about churches with kind of off-kilter doc, doctrines. That's what somebody called in about, and we talked about that. So, while I'm waiting for a call in, let's just go over another report, and we'll stop. This isn't about Moscow. But we're going to go ahead and go over this. Right here. This is another horrible story. Committed suicide at Disneyland has been identified. And who apparently committed suicide at Disneyland has been identified as an elementary school principal. We're learning more about him and a haunting post that shares what may have contributed to his decision to end his life. Let's go to Ed Laskos. He's live in Anaheim and talked to people who knew this man. Hey, Ed. And we are learning more now about the tragedy here at Disneyland Saturday night and more about the man who police say jumped to his own death off a parking structure here at Disneyland. That man now being identified by friends, people who knew him as a longtime educator and the principal of an elementary school in Huntington Beach. Here's the latest. 
the parking structure at Disneyland where the tragedy unfolded Saturday night. Anaheim police confirm a man jumped to his death from the Mickey and Friends parking structure, ruling it an apparent suicide. It happened during a busy night at Disney, forcing some trams to shut down and leaving guests to walk to the parking structure. Now comes the confirmation. The victim was 51-year-old Christopher Christensen from Westminster, the principal at the Newland Elementary School in Huntington Beach. It's very shocking. It's that is shocking. Very shocking. Let's see. I got a new, I got a voicemail that just came in while I'm waiting for you guys to call. We might as well listen to it, right? Hey, hey, good morning. I briefly on the good, good morning, midnight radio. On the, on the food truck, uh, Drew Breeze, Drew Breeze, he has a number nine. You know, the, the, one of the girls gives him a hug. And you see the kid talking to his friend there after he gives a hug. And he does like a hand gesture, like when Steph Curry, like he's going to sleep. To me, it's almost like they're going to sleep. They'll be going to sleep, and they, they they separate. The two kids separate, but I think the other kid, they end up meeting up. But if you could just go back and check out the uh, Drew Breeze at the food truck video after, after the hug. Looks to me like he does a sleep, sleep and hand, hand gesture to his friend there. Hey, hey ha, have a great day all. We'll hope this case gets solved quick. Thank you. I'm writing that down right now. Cool breeze of the food truck video. Take care of all the plants a little bit. This story here, this was from two days ago. This man's wife died in a tragic fire pit accident how does this happen i don't know let's find out together better and just get it back to uh the way she would have loved to see it there's jeffrey fold's wife nicole loved decorating their backyard she just was just a a ray of sunshine a heart of gold on november 14th nicole jeffrey their kids and some friends were hanging out and had a fire going in the backyard accidents do happen and they can ruin your life the fire fizzled out, and Fultz says his wife tried to reignite it. Put another log on it, and uh, I guess, you know, there wasn't much flame at all, but she just, I guess, felt to pour a little gas on it, and it would Whoa. reignite, and it did. And I guess it must have traveled the gas stream up to the gas can, and it exploded in her hands. The explosion hit Nicole and their son. Paramedics airlifted oh both my. to Tampa General. Fultz says his wife suffered burns to 95% of her oh body. Lord. And their son has second-degree burns to close to 40% of his body. She wanted the stackable, and we just made it to the second year, so... I just got her a second one, and it was going to be many more. Nicole died three days later on the fourth anniversary of their engagement. Everyone in my life that I've known. Oh, that's horrible. That's a horrible story. All right. Am I got, no, am I missing your phone calls? Uh, let me check. Is that me doing that? Did I hit, damn it, did I hit the wrong button again? No, I did not. That's okay. Since we are running low on time, let's see what stories we have time to go over here. I do have a text message someone just sent me. They said, I've been following this case. No one has mentioned the ladder on the side of the house. If you are standing in front of the house, the ladder's on the right side. Somebody put this. Dad thinks the good old guy, the good old boy is happening. The town business and colleagues are trying to brush this under the rug to not lose money i think it's one of the rich parents kids that did this okay so uh, 
this person. Hi, I love your show, but please say Moscow correctly. It's Moscow. Long O, not Moscow. We're not in Russia. I'm from Idaho. It drives me crazy. Thank you. I'm from Texas. We say it Moscow. I'm sorry. I'll try to say Moscow. All right. Thank you. All right. So let's go to our next story here. Phone lines are open. 325-261-0892. I know it's early in the morning to want to talk to to want to talk to folks. That's okay. I understand. Back at home, a 19-year-old man is charged for the murder of his mother. This is uh, Jasper James. Jennifer James's body was found with stab wounds yesterday at a home on West 13th Avenue in Belton. Police say they were called for a welfare check after the woman's employer said she didn't show up for work. Jasper was at the home when police got there. Oh, my. These stories, guys. These stories. The gas can exploded. The son killed his mother. You know, I do want to say this. These these murders with family involvement have gone up an exponential rate since the pandemic. I wrote an article about it on midnightrad.io. It's called Mothers That Murder. Used to, according statistically speaking, a single parent acting alone that murders a child was statistically, it was more likely for the father to do it. Now it's not. Now it's more likely that a mother does it. I highlighted some of those stories on the article. What was, what was the name of that article? Mothers Who Murder? Mothers Who Murder. Murder Mothers, I think. It's a very good article. It talks about women that murder. Okay, I just got confirmation. Someone sent me email with pictures, some remarks, some, some aren't. Okay, so I got pictures. I want to go, the next broadcast, we're going to go over the foodie truck video again from different angles. We're going to go over it very closely, and we're going to go over some of the things we've been saying, and we're going to go over some more pictures. I'm running out of time. Here, I got about four minutes left. Got two serial killers here. New York City torso killer pleads guilty to 1968 murder of Long Island woman Diane Cusick amidst killing four others. His name is Richard Cottingham. Now he's been called the torso killer or the Times Square killer. He claims to have murdered up to 100 people in New York and New Jersey. He pleaded guilty on Monday, that was yesterday, to the 1960... Was that yesterday? Yes. Killings of Long Island single mother Diane Cusick and also admitted to the slayings of another four women in Nassau County from 1972 to 73. Richard Cottingham, 73, is already serving a life sentence in New Jersey State Prison for murdering nearly a dozen women and girls in the 1960s. He allegedly often posed as a mall security guard and approached victims in parking lots, accusing them of shoplifting before launching his violent attacks. Oh, that's horrible. In a break of the five decades long case, Cottingham was indicted earlier this year for the killing of 23 year old Cusick, a dance teacher and mother of a then four year old daughter who had gone to the Green Acres Mall in Valley Stream alone to purchase new dance shoes. Her parents reported her missing when she failed to return, and her father was the one to find Cusick beaten, raped, and duct taped in the back seat of her car in the mall parking lot just two days after Valentine's Day that year. Appearing virtually from a New Jersey prison for the Nassau County Court hearing, Cottingham was arrested to was sentenced to 25 years to life behind bars for Cusick slaying. Of course, he was already in prison. He received immunity from prosecution for the four other killings he admitted to as part of his plea deal on Cusick's death. 
There were the murders of 21-year-old Mary Beth Hines in May 10th, 1972, 23-year-old Laverne Moy, July 30th, 1972, 33-year-old Sheila Heinemann on July 20th, 1973, and 18-year-old Marta Emerita Rosando Neves on December 27th, 1973. It was only through advances in DNA technology that the NCDA and our partners at the Nassau County Police Department could solve this 54-year-old case. All right, everybody, that does it for me. I'm running out of time. I'm glad you guys like these early morning streams for the next few days. That's when we're going to be doing them, 5 a.m. in the morning on uh, our YouTube page. For you guys that are on Spotify, we're going to upload this later in the evening, and we're also going to put put uh, links to all the articles we're going over and we're going to put that in the description below on the YouTube page. Till next time, all my best. Thank you for watching. God bless you guys.